Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, July 15th, the Mortified Mom Edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is eight, and we live in Los Angeles, California. Hi, my name is Isaac Butler. I am, among other things, the co-host of Slate's Working Podcast and a writer and a father to Iris, age six, and I live in Brooklyn, New York. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's nine, Oliver, who's seven, and Teddy, who's four. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Hi, I'm Naima New Giles, and I'm eight, and I'm daughter to Jamila Lemieux, and we live in Los Angeles, California. Well, Isaac, thank you so much for joining us this week uh, and filling in for Dan. And Naima, thank you for asking me about 15 minutes before we started recording if you could join the show this week. So let's see how this goes. Naima, we're always excited to have you with us. Are you excited to be with us too, Naima? Yes. Great. So on today's show, we've got a question from a parent who is struggling to make her husband's daughter feel loved and like she's part of their growing family while also trying to maintain some healthy boundaries in their relationship. Can she create a better dynamic without making her daughter feel rejected? Then we're advising a mom whose son is having a hard time with receiving gifts if the gift isn't exactly what he wanted. How can she minimize his bad reactions without telling him how to feel? And on Slate Plus, we get an extra special bonus segment about Zaila Avant-Garde, the 14-year-old amazing, just wonder of childhood who became the first African-American to win the Scripps National Spelling Bee last Thursday. So we're going to kick off the show with some triumphs and fails. Isaac, you first. Oh, I get to do this first. Fantastic. I'm going to go with triumph, I think, this week. So... Iris is in a new summer camp this summer, which I'll admit has not been going great. Most of the time she's been having a good time. But one of the things that has been a downside to it has been that she was being teased. She's being teased pretty badly by a couple of kids to the point of tears and then being made fun of for crying. And the distracted 17-year-old counselors were not on top of it. So she brought this up to us, and I was bullied a bunch as a kid, too, although it didn't start as early as six. But, you know, and so I was sort of thinking about, like, well, what should we do in this circumstance? And you know what? I just decided if she knew who the kids were, I was just going to speak to the kids' parents. I was just going to go right to that. Mm -hmm. It's just... I'm not interested in investing a lot of time right now in, in Iris learning strategies for dealing with being teased. I just... Let's just go to the authority figures and have them intervene. And so it turns out that both of the kids are at her morning bus stop. And this was the first time I had had to confront a parent 
that I did not know about their child's behavior, which is like a very nerve wracking thing to have to do. If for those of you who have never done it before, especially when you're like a, like a people pleaser, like I am, but you know, I went up to them. I brought Iris with me so that she could see that I was advocating for her. And I, I came up to them and I was like, Hey, you know, this is a little weird and awkward to do it. 7:45 in the morning or whatever. But uh, <laughs> last week, you know, for a couple days in a row, your kids actually been making fun of my kid to the, to the point where she was crying and, Anyway, I don't want to make a big deal out of it, but if you could just get them to stop doing it, I'd I'd really appreciate it. And you know what? In both cases, it worked. The dads were super open to it. They were very apologetic and embarrassed about it. And they both had talks with their kids. And so far, Iris has been left alone since then, which is great. So I I think that worked out pretty well so far. That is a huge triumph. Not only are you an awesome dad... You're like an awesome person too, you know, you like handled <laughs> conflict with another adult in a way in which like everyone walked away fought, you know, I don't yeah, know. I, I feel like we're so worried about the worst case in yes. these scenarios. Oh, that, and that was totally going through my head, but I was like, you know what? You have to give them a chance to like do the right thing. You can't just immediately assume that the parents are going to be super defensive of their kid or going to be like a, a, a pain to you or, you know, whatever. It's just like they're probably going to be mortified about it. And sure enough, that's what happened, right? It's like, sure enough, they're like, oh man. And one of the dads even came up to me afterwards, even after, you know, when the kids had got on the bus, he's like, look, I'm just really sorry about that. And, you know, we had a good, we had a good talk about it. You know, so, so I think ultimately, I mean, who knows, there's many weeks left in the summer, but all, (laughs) but so far it's, uh, it's worked out well. That's so great. That is a tremendous triumph. And I cannot think of anything more horrifying than as frightful as it the idea of my child being bullied is the idea of being confronted because my child is the bully is the type of thing that keeps me up at night so yeah that went incredibly well and i'm so glad that it did thank you uh, elizabeth how about you triumph or fail i'm also gonna take a triumph this week so jeff and i spent the weekend at a marriage retreat for military and first responder couples that's actually run by the center for relationship education in conjunction with a whole bunch of government organizations. It was so good and so just like bucket filling in so many ways, but I'm taking it as a as a double, maybe a triple win. So first it was like a win because after the move and just like COVID and all of that, taking time for Jeff and I to do something that was like for us. And yes, I mean, the kids obviously benefit, right? Like if we're communicating well and we're happy, that's good for the family, but it was like uniquely for us. And the second is that part of this is that the kids come along and they provide childcare. My kids have not been in any type of care for a very long time, let alone like with another adult outside of maybe my parents in a very long time. And they were great. They had a great time. They were much better humans in this childcare scenario than they are with us at home, which is always nice. And, you know, as kind of a third bonus, we got a date night out in Denver. Jeff and I, they have you plan a date and get to go out while they watch the kids. And just like having the stress-freeness of not having to like make arrangements for care. And then like, how are we going to get home? Like we were in a hotel where we could walk to things and, you know, enjoy a drink and coming home and picking up the kids and going right up to stay at the hotel for the night. So just like a really lovely weekend of taking some time for us and learning some new things, but also having a lot of fun. So a big win here for some self-care. 
That's a huge win, Elizabeth. And you all have done so much moving around in the past. Well, literally just having moved, but like in general, you, you know, like with the weather and COVID, like you haven't had an opportunity to do anything like that in so long. So I'm happy for you. Thanks. Jamila, are you are you going to seal us with a triple? Yes, it is going to be a triple triumph, but I am not the one presenting the triumph. I am relinquishing my triumph and fail this week to Naima. So Naima, do you have a triumph or a fail that you want to share with us? A triumph that I have is that when I was in dance class the other day in cheer, I did 10 cartwheels in one minute. You did 10 cartwheels in one minute? Had you done cartwheels before? Yes. Yes. How many do you think you had done before this? 5,000. 5,000. But how many do you think in a row? Because you did 10 in one minute. Mm, well, I've done two in a minute before. Whoa. Two. two in a minute, and then you did 10. Were you dizzy? I think I'd be really dizzy. Well, I was a little dizzy, but not that much dizzy. But there was a long, long match. So I stood up. And did one, then did another 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 one, until I didn't have more space to do anymore. Did you feel really proud of yourself? Yes. Yeah, you should. That's awesome. That's super awesome. I have never done a cartwheel in my life. I'm so... (laughs) Since she's been doing them, I've been so tempted to try. I just have yet to find the time and space in which I don't think I will break my wrist and maybe my legs. (laughs) My dad outsmarted a bunch of kids at at that going away party. He did? He did a cartwheel. He did. So he surprised them. He didn't outsmart them, but he he shocked them because they didn't think a grown-up could do a cartwheel. (laughs) Okay. Well, congratulations to you, Naima. I hope you're able to cartwheel forever. I think I could beat him in a cartwheel race. I know you could beat him in a cartwheel race. (laughs) I don't know that any adult shy of some kind of gymnast could do 10 in a row. Yeah. No, you're not going to find a grown-up who can do 10 cartwheels in a row. unless for Gabby Douglas. Yes, or Simone Biles, a gymnast. Yes. (laughs) Very good, Naima. Okay, well... Next, we're going to take care of some business. First things first, if you haven't already, could you please subscribe to the show? It helps us out and the show will automatically show up in your feed. So it's good for you and for us. You don't have to go searching. Mom and dad are fighting will come right to you. And if you want even more of our show, you should become a Slate Plus member. You'll get a whole bonus segment every week. In fact, here's a sneak peek of what you could hear today. So this young lady only took up competitive spelling two years ago, in which she finished 370th place in the 2019 competition. 370th place in 2019. There was no 2020 competition, obviously. And this year she's won the title, a feat that she credits to her tutors and, quote, a little bit of luck. But... (laughs) Why we're so fascinated by this young lady. It just seems like she's good at everything, maybe? Good at everything! She's got three Guinness World Records in basketball dribbling. Yeah. Three. Amazing. Amazing. When you see kids like this, I wonder, and I think all of our children are superstars because all kids are superstars and all kids are great and capable of greatness. But, like, 
I wonder what exactly is the moment in which you realize, like, I'm not raising an average kid here. <laughs> not only will you get fun extra segments like that, you'll even get bonus episodes of shows like Political Gap Fest and Big Mood, Little Mood. And you'll get unlimited reading on the site without ever hitting a Slate paywall again. So if you want to support us and support Slate, please sign up for Slate Plus. It's only a dollar for the first month. Just go to slate.com backslash mom and dad plus. Also, Slate's parenting newsletter is the best place to be notified about all of our great parenting content, including mom and dad are fighting, care and feeding, and much more. It's also a personal email from Dan Coy every week. Remember that guy? So go on and sign up for that now at slate.com backslash parenting email. And before we get into the main show, let's take a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And we're back. All right, let's get into our first listener question. It's being read, as always, by the magnificent Shasha Leonard. Hi, Mom and Dad are fighting. I'm a 32-year-old mom of four children, ages 11, 4, 2, and 9 months, and an avid listener of the show. Yes, my hands are full. My oldest daughter is not my biological daughter. She is my husband's, who had her at 19. Her mother was in the picture when we first started dating, and now we've had no communication whatsoever with her for the past three years. Both her, her dad's, and my choice as her mother was, without going into much detail, a horrendous role model. She came to live with me full-time when her father and I moved in together maybe five years ago. I have taken her on as my daughter and treat her no differently than my other children, as that is what I believe she needs and has expressed that she wants. I have a difficult time with her in terms of codependency and attention. When kids are sort of moving away from their parents, she is moving towards us in an almost suffocating sense sometimes. As you know, little kids' and big kids' needs and expectations are different. She sees us doing things with the little kids that she feels left out of. Things like bathing, bedtime, just basic taking care of small children things. She is overwhelming at times. I totally understand why she feels these things. However, I'm just looking for advice on how to better make her feel loved like she's just the same as my other children with her father. I feel like she is constantly looking for reassurance that she fits in within our family and is loved, whereas her dad and I do as much as we can, but it seems not enough. Will it ever be enough? Will I ever be able to fill the void of a biological mother? I thought that after being with me this long, she would start to feel comfortable in her place within her family. We have had her in therapy, because I know this goes far beyond asking a podcast for advice. Okay, uh, that is 
quite a lot. Isaac, what do you have to offer? Well, first of all, I just want to say that she's very lucky to have someone this caring as her stepmother. And, you know, the parents seem very, very on top of all of this stuff, which is really great. You know, sometimes you get a letter where you're like, ah, we have to do an intervention with these parents. But it seems like, you know, they have have a good sense of what's in their daughter's best interest. I would also note that there's actually two big differences here. It's not only that she has a different birth mother, you know, than the than the other kids kids involved she's also considerably older you know the other kids are four years old two years old and nine months old and so in different ways they're sort of in this like early childhood phase and then you have a like tween kid that's just a big difference so some of it may also be about that that what parental love looks like to those three kids in terms of literally what the activity is is more similar than what parental love looks like to an 11 year old. And so those two things may be compounding each other. That's not advice so much as just an observation about the situation. A couple of things that I would just note from the letter is, you know, you don't make a lot of mention about what your husband is doing and how he fits into all of this. And there may actually need to be some reassurance there as well. I mean, you know, you shouldn't be on your own to solve this problem. And maybe you're not. I have no idea. But getting your husband involved and making sure that the two of you are really making her feel loved and part of the family is is really super duper important. And I just think trying to find as many age appropriate ways to make her feel loved is really, really important. I mean, obviously you're not going to go back to like dealing with potty training with her, you know, whatever it is. So you don't want to like regress too much, but just finding, you know, positive things that y'all can do together that are age appropriate. Maybe there's special stuff you do with her, just the two of you. And maybe even, you know, cause you have those three other kids and she's an older sibling roping her a little bit into helping take care of them in some ways that she feels like part of the family as an older sibling too. Those are some of the things that come to mind because it's important that you don't infantilize her and treat her as a two-year-old old, but also make sure that she feels fully, fully a part of your family. I love this idea of like roping her into some of the activities in the house because the younger kids are kind of all going through that. Like they need bathe, they need this. I just think there's so many ways to include her in that part of the day. Like put her to work. Yeah. Put her to work, (laughs) but in a way that makes her feel part of, you know, like she is perfectly capable of being the person sitting in the room with the kids in the, in the bathtub while you are getting clothes and are right there. Right. She's capable of also getting all the pajamas or, you know, helping with teeth brushing or those kind of things, which I think makes her part of those moments. I a little bit feel like you may be speaking the wrong love language to her. And I don't know. I'm a big fan of the book, The Five Love Languages of Children, because I think so often that the way that we give love to people is not always the way that they receive it. And if you are not speaking in the language that they understand, it it doesn't really work, right? You know, it sounds just from this letter, I don't know, but she may be a quality time person that just really needs to be filled by focused quality time 
with her or with the family. I mean, the book is great, but you can probably also go online and look up the different love languages and just sort of read through them and instinctively know which one and some examples of ways in which you can provide her that support in the way in which she interprets it as belonging and loving. And that's not to say that anything that you are doing is wrong, but when you are able to speak the same love language to them, it fills the kids up so much faster. One of our kids, his love language is gifts, and we are not necessarily gift people. And just kind of learning like how I can fill his bucket by essentially bringing him little things from where we've been, which to him say like, when I wasn't here, I was thinking of you. And that fills him so much faster than sitting next to him on the couch because that's not his love language. So I just think maybe look into that and see if you can bucket fill a little faster and, and maybe get some of that making her feel included. The other thing I was thinking is like, recognizing that she's going through some kind of trauma, like no matter how much you pour into her, her mom has left and that is traumatizing. And I think it's like so great. She's in therapy, but in these situations, the parenting that you have to do is kind of extra parenting. And so seeking some counseling for you and your spouse as kind of a family counseling, someone that you can go to and tell these things to who are, who has the experience of dealing someone who's traumatized by abandonment, right? And can say to you, these are the things this this kid needs. These are the extra things that you're going to need to do to make them feel secure because the person that she attached to as a child is not here. And so I don't, though, in any way want you to take that as like, you're not enough. Like, it's amazing that you are writing us this letter and saying, what else can I do? That's awesome. There may just be things that you can't fix just by you loving because you are not the person that left her. So I just encourage you that if, if you feel like nothing else is working to get some some support. Jamila, what do you think? I, I agree with both of you. You know, I mean, as Isaac said, it's really wonderful that she has you as her mother, you know, and that you are, are this caring, this sensitive to what's going on with her. But as Elizabeth said, like, there's no level of sufficient that you could be that's going to make it so that she is not a child dealing with trauma, right? And this is a common trauma. It, it's a trauma that is well studied and well understood, you know, that being detached from one's mother in such a way is going to have an impact. And so I should say it's not surprising that she's not in the same developmental place in terms of detachment, you know, and wanting independence and pouring more into her, finding ways in which she feels part of these rituals that are centered around the smaller children and not just as a helper, but that there's something for her too. And maybe, you know, like some 11-year-old girls like having their hair washed. I mean, I think that's a sweet pampering thing that you could do for her that's akin to getting your hair washed at six is because you can't wash it yourself. Getting your hair washed at 11 or 12 is kind of like going to the beauty shop, you know, and it's a sweet ritual that many mothers and grandmothers and caregivers of children with hair keep going much later than they have to. You know, it could be giving her manicures from time to time, right? Because some of those grooming and uh, basic childcare things that she's watching her younger sibling experience, she didn't get from her mother. And so it's not simply the idea that they're getting this other attention that she doesn't or that, you know, that they're younger, it's that this is also perhaps a painful reminder that the way that these kids are living this stage in their lives, you know, I would imagine that her, you know, life at four years old looks quite different. 
So what are the sweet, maybe not seemingly age appropriate, but not in a way where there's something that's going to stunt her growth, but where she can feel nurtured, you know, is it giving her a little foot rub after volleyball? You know what I mean? Like, I think there are ways where you can show that kind of tender, you know, at times physical care that we usually associate with smaller children to her. I think that, as Elizabeth said, making sure that your conversations with the therapist, that you are bringing this up, right? Not just the frustration, but that, like, this is a specific issue or, you know, a space where we're seeing some things, you know, making sure that you're staying in constant communication with the therapist and that it's not just, okay, I've kind of handed her off to you because you're going to fix this thing and you can solve for it, right? That you have to be an active part of this process. And it also may be worth it to you and your husband to be talking to someone because this has been quite an experience for everyone. And there may be some things that you're feeling, feelings of rejection or inadequacy that you want to work out so that they don't become a problem within the household because you're obviously, like you said, your hands are quite full. You're doling out a lot of love. Hopefully your partner is showing up and showing out and doing everything that he can too. But you're not responsible for the conditions that created this. Mm -hmm. You don't have a magic wand or a version of love that erases these challenges, the best that you and your partner can do is to love your daughter through them. Do you feel like at 11 to you can ask her some of these questions? Like, I guess I sort of feel like at 11, you can have this conversation to say, like, you're so much older than your siblings. How are ways that we can make you feel included? Are these are there things you want to be doing that we're not doing like I wonder if even that kind of frank conversation that you couldn't have with a younger kid like maybe an 11 year old is capable of that kind of conversation I agree I do think that you know at 11 you can you know ask questions um are there ways that you could feel closer to your younger siblings you know are there things you'd like to do together that you're not doing and are there some things that maybe your Mm -hmm. friends who don't have big families get to do like Mommy and me, like, you know, maybe it's just going to the grocery store and it's just the two of you. And the same with her father. I think it's important that she gets one-on-one time for sure. I mean, I just totally agree. I do think there's a level of self-awareness that kids have by the age of 11 where you can talk to them about how they're feeling and what they need. I think it's important to not do that at the actual height of when (laughs) when the neediness is expressed. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, you know, even, I mean, Iris is six and outside of a fraught moment, I can say to her like, hey, here's this problem we're having. What do you think we could do about this thing we're having? And she and I can sort of talk about it. So I'm sure by the time a kid is 11 years old, they have enough self-awareness that you can start talking about that and start figuring out to circle back to Elizabeth's earlier point about how to speak in a way that what you're saying can actually be heard and received, which you have limited control over, but some control over. I agree. Well, Letter Writer, thank you so much for reaching out. Please send us an update. We love updates, and we're wishing you all the best. Thank you for being so caring and so tender with your daughter, and I hope that things improve for you all soon. And for the rest of our listeners, if you have a parenting question that you'd like for us to ponder, shoot us an email, at slate.com, or you can post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. 
Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. And let's get back to the show. All right. We are on to our next listener question. Let's hear it again. Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom and Dad, we have an eight-year-old boy who is delightful often, but seems a little delayed when it comes to considering how other people feel. The problem I'm bringing to you is that of the art of receiving gifts. Birthdays, Christmas, Hanukkah, I dread all of these occasions. Whenever my child receives a gift and it isn't exactly what he wants, he's just downright rude. I'm talking sarcastic, using an aggressive tone, and saying things like, Why would I even want this? Why did you get me this? Even handing it back to the person. In the worst cases, a tantrum and door slamming ensues. As you can imagine, this is completely mortifying for my husband and I to witness. And of course, absolutely hurtful to our loved ones who have given him a gift. I can see it makes him a difficult child to enjoy. I can see that it strains his relationship with the friend or family member who has given him something. I feel heartbroken and ashamed when I see this, and it reflects badly on us as parents. This is just a selfish add-on here, but obviously worth mentioning because it does make us feel judged when our son behaves in this way. I have tried a number of things with my son to help him understand graciousness. I have talked to him about what he is grateful for. He totally rejects this idea and says he doesn't want to talk about it. Instead, I tell him things that I am grateful for. Still, no interest. I suspect that he shuts down these conversations because it makes him feel awkward. Maybe he senses that he's not very good at it. Either way, he seems uncomfortable with the discussion. After trying all sorts of things, I thought, maybe he's just not ready to develop that true empathy yet. So I could just teach him how to parrot good gift-receiving behaviors. So I told him that when he gets a gift and he is disappointed with it, he should just smile and say thank you. Then he can go to his room and say to himself, I don't like this. Or he could tell me, I don't like this. But that he mustn't tell that person. This is my least preferred option because it's essentially telling our son to hide his feelings, which is the opposite to what we always raised him to do. All feelings are okay, etc. But maybe we raised a monster. So my question is twofold. How can I help my child feel grateful for what he has? And how can I teach him to behave appropriately so he doesn't hurt other people's feelings? From Mortified Mom. My, 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 Elizabeth, what say you? (laughs) (laughs) 
So I think that teaching empathy is super, super hard. And this is something I've talked many times. Our oldest son has pandas. There's some swelling in his brain. And it messes with a bunch of this stuff. So I have dealt with having to basically teach Henry what is appropriate public behavior, even if that's not what's going through his brain. And it is, it's hard. And he's nine. And I feel like we have just kind of been able to capture that and consistently do this. So first I say like, there's hope. Do not give up. You have not raised a monster. You are doing a good job just by asking. So first, you know, be calm. There's work ahead, but it's not all is lost. I have found that with trying to teach empathy, you have to model it all the time and not just in the gift-giving situation. You have to constantly be having these situations in which you are talking about people's feelings, who you see and who you interact with, and also your own. I love the idea that you're listing the things that you're grateful for. I think continue that, make that part of your mealtime or bedtime, even if he doesn't participate, have everyone else participate, because eventually he's going to want to participate. And also, it just makes him more comfortable with these conversations. When our kids push back about things that are uncomfortable, it's kind of your job as a parent to keep pushing and make them more comfortable. Um, We can't just say like, well, we're uncomfortable with this, so we're not going to discuss it anymore. I think there's a real opportunity to model gratefulness just in general by saying thank you and being, you know, so over the top with that, not to the point of which you're not really thankful, but just in your everyday life, making sure you're pointing out the way people feel or the things that you can do to make people feel better. And also then when he has experiences where he doesn't feel good, saying like, yeah, it doesn't feel very good when someone says this to you. So really bringing that to the to the forefront and helping him process that. I think volunteering as a family is a great way to do this and make it part of your routine and not as like punishment for this or anything, but find a way for you as a family to get some kind of volunteer experience routinely into your kind of daily or weekly or monthly or whatever that is, right? Your routine that you all go do this because being able to help others is a great way to practice those empathetic skills and also just seeing like what gratefulness looks like, putting him in the position of doing something where other people will thank him, I think is a good way to understand how that thank you feels. I also want to say that like you are in control and until the gift giving situation is resolved, you can just avoid this situation. As a family decide that you do not open gifts in front of others, you can do that at a birthday party, you can do that in front of family, you can just say, my son has a hard time with this, we just don't open gifts, we open them as a smaller family or just him and I, and then write thank you notes. There is so much opportunity to help your child understand how to process this even if they are just copying what you wrote down onto a note card and sending it, and then you're not hurting people's feelings. So I think it is perfectly okay for you to say, we don't open gifts in public. And that would be my advice in the short term. So while you're working on all of this, just create a situation in which this embarrassing thing for you and possibly hurtful thing for your family just doesn't happen. I don't know. Isaac, what do you think? You took so many of the words out of my mouth there. Uh, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. I, I was actually, it's very standard among the parents of of Borum Hill that <laughs> kids don't open presents in front of people at their birthday parties. You always do it privately and then send notes. That's actually expected because when they're little, you don't want to provoke jealousy 
from the kids yes. who are attending the party. And that's sort of just been maintained, at least as Iris has gotten older. So I'm a big, big fan of that. I would also say that uh, I want to second everything Elizabeth said and just just to reinforce that faking it until you make it is totally fine. And in fact, not all feelings are good to express in all circumstances. And that's a really, really important thing that your child needs to learn. So it is a perfectly acceptable thing to be like, hey, regardless of how you're feeling, acting this way is unacceptable. And the thing you need to do is this. And then, I mean, you should probably put it nicer than that, but you know what I mean. And then, and then as you continue to model it and continue to be like, hey, this is the behavior you need to do in this circumstance, you're, you're teaching a bunch of different things. And one of them is that there's certain behaviors that contextually you just have to do regardless of how you feel. You know, you can't reject a gift and throw it in the person's face who gave it to you. Just like you can't, this is a very different circumstance, but you can't like punch someone just because you're mad at them. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's it's another set of behaviors that kids need to learn as they grow older, regardless of the actual, you know, situation with the kid, like learning empathy is a big, big struggle. I think for most parents with their kids, whether it's teaching a kid how to have and express it, and experience it or actually teaching them when, when they need to back off of it. Like it's one of the really big struggles. So you are not a monster. You have not raised a monster. And I, I really do believe that you'll get through this. I, again, I 100% agree. This is not an easy skill set for children to learn. I think Elizabeth and Isaac both offered some really great tips. And I would also say that, um, I haven't been to a birthday party where kids open presents in years. Like, I think we've kind of done away with that tradition as a society, as we should, because it is a lot to put on a kid. It's such a trap, right? Yeah, there's no there's no good uh, good way to handle that, really, for a kid. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah no, there's, that's definitely super difficult. I just want to really echo what Elizabeth said about, like, constantly getting your child to engage in thinking about other people's feelings. And there are consistent reminders throughout your day from seeing unhoused people to watching interactions between people on television shows or hearing news stories where you can point out things that make people feel bad and things that make them feel good. And I think over time they will come to understand that you have to, at the very least, learn the social grace of pretending that you enjoy a gift and that listen, like, yes, we teach our children that we want them to express their feelings at all times, but not every situation is a feelings appropriate scenario. Like sometimes we have to have a poker face and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, yeah. because eventually, yes, I want you to appreciate that the gift was given, that someone thought to buy you something. But if you're not there yet, I assure you there is a lot more value in them knowing that the appropriate thing to do socially is to say, thanks, we used to play this game with the kids where we would just like pick things out in public that were ugly or weird or whatever, right? And just name characteristics of it as a way of kind of teaching them things they could say about things. So like you you see a sweater in a store that is just hideous and we'd say like, wow, isn't that fuzzy? <laughs> you know, like just name these characters to sort of say like, if if in fact you need to just speak the truth. You can speak the truth in a way that is that doesn't hurt someone, <laughs> right? You're, yep. You don't have to lie if you're uncomfortable with that part of this. Just, wow, describe the item. <laughs> it's so red. Yeah, this is so red. Exactly. That hat has so much personality. It, see? Exactly. And I feel like that is 
the fake it till you make it type of things that that we do. And I love that both of you pointed out, like, that's a skill adults you need as an adult. Yeah. Like, you can't just go into your boss or your, you know, kid's <laughs> teacher or whatever and just say, say whatever you feel. Right. <laughs> or you shouldn't. Yeah. In most cases. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not even talking about some of the presents that our children present us right. with. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I exactly. thought about why like, he might not be ready to hear that truth. <laughs> that might be a little bit too harsh. Yeah. <laughs> But you will learn not every gift is a good gift. That is true. You think I liked that single tea bag wrapped in a drawing that you spent 20 seconds on? Can you handle that truth? Yeah, don't do that. You're not ready. You're not ready. You're not ready. Well, thank you uh, so much, Letter Writer. You're not awful. Your child is pretty normal. And uh, please feel free to send us an update in a few months. I'd love to hear how the gift giving has changed after somebody's been met with, dude, why would you even buy me this? So this might not even be a problem much longer because the gift table might be empty. So, uh, but but I, I kid, I kid. We know that you'll get through this. It's totally fine. And if you are listening to this and your child is also doing something that has you mortified and you want us to try and solve your problems, please send us a note. Once again, mom and dad at slates.com. Let's move on to recommendations before we get out of here. Uh, let's start with you, Elizabeth. What do you have for us this week? I am recommending a free app called Brick It Rebuild Your Lego. It's not from Lego. It was created by a bunch of fans, but it is awesome. You can actually use the camera on your phone to scan your Legos, and it will tell you what you can build with the Legos in that pile. It will also help you find missing pieces. So we are huge Lego builders in this house, and the worst thing to happen is when one or two pieces go missing from a set, and then I have to sort through all of them. And in true, you know, ADHD fashion, all of that, it's, it is just like there are Legos everywhere. I try to sort them by color. It, it's a mess. This app changes all of that. You can just literally scan over it and it highlights the brick or you get a little pile and you scan the pile and it gives you instructions for what to build with that. So it's been a great app to have like another way to play with our Legos and it's called Brick It and it's free on the App Store and Google Play. That sounds cool, Elizabeth. Isaac, what do you have for us? Uh, so this is one for the parents, not for the kids, but I read a novel recently about being a parent that was just so amazing and beautiful that I felt like I had to just recommend it to everyone who listens to this podcast. It's by the author Peter Ho Davies, and the book is called A Lie Someone Told You About Yourself, and it is a novel about it's really just about parenthood. It's about this couple who have a first pregnancy that they terminate due to signs of mosaicism in the fetus and then have a child a, a year or two later. And it's about how their complicated feelings about the first pregnancy affect them as a married couple and as parents as the child grows up. It is not a long book. It's under 300 pages long, but it stretches about a decade of time. It's very sensitive and caring and true and actually given the premise I just spelled out actually quite funny it's filled with weird dad jokes and and puns and and everything like that and even though my parenting experience was nothing like the parenting experience of the characters in this book it just really struck a chord with me I, I just feel like it gets at something very very 
deep about what parenting is like and how caring for a child changes you in ways both good and bad. So I I really loved it and I highly recommend it. That's A Lie Someone Told You About Yourself by Peter Ho Davies. Very nice, Isaac. That sounds super interesting. All right. Well, uh, our final recommendation is coming from Naima, who has rejoined us. So Naima, what are you recommending for us this week? I'm recommending cooking turkey legs for your kids because it's so yummy and so delicious. You love turkey legs, don't you? Why do you like (laughs) turkey legs so much? Because it's meat and I love the meats. You love the meats. (laughs) Okay, so. You know what? I'm going to take that recommendation because I am looking for my kid to eat more things other than hot dogs, uh, chicken nuggets, and edamame, which are about 90% of the food that she eats. So so I'm going to take that recommendation, Naima. I'll let you know how it goes. Turkey legs are very good in the instant pot if you have one or some sort of slow cooker, pressure cooker situation. They're super tender and they are fun for uh, Naima to eat off the bone too. So thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you, Isaac. Thank you, Naima. That is our show. One last time. If you have a question for us, just send an email to slate.com or post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. You can find it by just searching for Slate Parenting. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Morgan Flannery. For Isaac Butler and Elizabeth Newcamp and Naima Lemieux-Giles, I'm Jamila Lemieux. So now I'm on the show forever? Yep. Bye, people! <laughs> Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.